Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, a Spotify and Villa Romana Network production. I'm Alan Nevitz. And I'm Joey Santos. How many of those songs do you know, Joey? Oh, practically, uh, come on, seriously. If you don't know those, you're either deaf, dumb, or, or both. So how I many mean, do you know? <laughs> None of them. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, La Vida Loca. I mean, Living on a Prayer. I mean, I mean, there's so many. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant songwriter. And it's, it's right in our area, too, of growing up. Do you know what I mean? The 80s, the 90s. I mean, he's... he's yeah, well, he did, he started in 1975. Those yeah. songs, by the way. Well, you're older than I am. So. Yes, of course, much. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but those are songs all written by Desmond Child. Yeah, who we are going to have on the show today, which is very exciting. He's in town for the Grammys, and he uh, said he would love to come over and do the podcast. Somebody reached out to us, if you can imagine, and said they wanted to be on our <laughs> podcast. Oh, someone heard it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they reached out to us it was very flattering but uh, you know he's worked with everybody from Kiss Cher Aerosmith and we've bon had Jovi. Gene Simmons on the show yes Bonnie Tyler uh, Ricky Martin in fact he had his I think three of his Grammys of his four Grammy nominations were because of Ricky Martin Mm-hmm. I think La Vida Loca was Yeah, mine. they were all. And it was the album, it was the song, and yeah, it was something exactly. else. And uh, But Selena Gomez, uh, Kelly Clarkson, I mean, the list goes on and on who he has written songs for. Many of them big hits, as you can tell by. Yeah, and what's exciting is that we have this opportunity to meet and speak with him in person, talk about his career, his life, his inspirations, all the work he's done, beautiful amazing music that's defined so many of us in many ways. But we live in an era where there's so few real songwriters left. There's producers right. you know, that just have beats and then they have the same three lyrics right. you know, running through your brain every day. But it's really nice to have music that you know, defines us. Yeah. No, it is. So it's it's exciting. great. In um, fact, we listen to playlists of sort of, of older songs only because you're like, oh, how come they don't write songs like that anymore? Well, the romance is is gone in most songwriting. You know, you still find it in Latin music and you still find it in country Western music. I mean, it may be a heartbroken romance, but it still has some romance. And there's a beginning, a middle and an end to a story which I personally love in songs. Right. I kind of love that storytelling to yeah. music. Well, don't you think that it's a huge part of Taylor Swift's success? Oh, very much so. She writes those songs that are a little more, you know, yeah, with and lyrics, rela- with and, stories. And, 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 and so relatable, especially to that, to the young girls who have always, you know, dreamed of the perfect this or the boy or the that or the heartbreak crying in the pillow on their princess phone. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, that's true. 
so it'll be exciting. We have a lot of things we'll talk to him about uh, in the second part of, of this interview. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about all of our favorite things. I've been to so many movies. You have. Uh, you been. know me, and I'm following I politics yeah, like but crazy. You know, these movies you go to, I, I don't relate to you. I really don't. What do you mean? Argyle's a huge movie. Everybody's, yeah, but you know, you're going to see these people jumping off of buildings and capes and. You know, Capes. and then monster truck movies. No, I mean, we are I not seeing any monster curious. truck movies. <laughs> so None. Stink. None. We saw Argyle, which we liked, didn't love. We liked. It starts off very good because, you know, it's sort of in the Kingsman series of mm -hmm. movies, if you've seen that. And, you know, the first Kingsman was great. It was a little more sort of a James Bondy, so it felt a little more based in reality. Right. Then then the second one, it became sort of like silly in parts. And and this one starts off really well, but then it really starts to, uh, the second half starts to descend into silliness. And then it pulls itself back, right? And then it goes, but it, so in the beginning, we're like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. It was fun. It's clever. But you sort of wish they hadn't gotten so And it was silly. what, about three hours long? It was two hours and 20 minutes. Mm -hmm, like I said. By the time you get the popcorn, by the time you watch the coming attractions, you know, you've already leased Oh, yeah, it's a three-hour yeah. dedication. But theater was full. We went to the Grove. Theater was full. Mm-hmm. Um, says a lot. So, <laughs> no, it's quite good, you know, and it was, it was expected to do well. Uh, and? <clears throat> yeah, so we, ended, we liked it. You know, it was good entertainment. We didn't love it. Right. We wished it hadn't descended into silliness. You know, um, I'm curious to see, uh, it just premiered, I think, two nights ago, uh, Feud. Oh, we watched the first two episodes. Yeah, I'm going to watch them tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm going to watch them yeah. tomorrow night because I've been so busy. But So what did you think? Well, I like it, but, you know, I have a different... Will likes it, too. I like it because, you know, I met some of those people. And yeah. some of them were, of course... Uh, Irving Lazar's friends, right? So Slim Keith and and uh, Lee Radziwill, mm -hmm. and of course CZ Guest. And, yeah, I know her daughter. Yeah, and so some of those people were kind of in his in his wheelhouse a little bit, and so when I watch it, it's kind of interesting for me to to you know see it from that angle. Right. But I'm I'm liking it. It's it's uh, interesting. It's probably more interesting if you've done a little research on why they even made this, right? It's worth reading some of the articles out there about Truman Capote and how this all happened and what it's about. I think diving right into it, not knowing anything about it, you might be like, why do I care? Well, he What's this he about? You know, he, they confided in him and then he betrayed them. Yeah. You know, and I think even one of them commits suicide over it. When, yes. when the book came out, she yes. was like so mortified that her secrets would be told. Yes, you that's know. the actually role played by Demi Moore. Uh -huh. She's out in episode one. Oops, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well. Guess I could just skip to episode two. Yeah, well, episodes one, one is, you know, good about setting it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when he was young, uh, you know, people look at Truman Capote of that silly little lisp and that funny little voice mm -hmm. of his. And they're like, yeah, he kind of whines, you know, hello. <laughs> And they don't quite get it. But when you look back when he was young and he wrote his first novel, he was kind of an attractive kid. And then, you know, and he came from nothing. And then he he moved into this east side New York milieu yeah, which with is, these women. Which is basically all gone. That yeah. whole, 
you know, that society thing. I, yeah. I'm so They're sad. still there, but I not mean, like it was. Yeah, but it was not, not it, yeah. unfortunately, it was the most glamorous, you know, I mean, you could, and, and so sophisticated and polished. Yeah, it's fun to watch so when they have that. lunch and, and, and yeah. the table's all set and there's servants and, you know, it's all of that, right? Yeah. So it's, it, by the way, it feels a little like, like a modern Gilded Age. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, the if way you think about it, it, it is. Kind of, it it kind is, of yeah. Is. But I, I, I'm liking it, so have no complaints there. Yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited to see it. That's going to be some good sit back and, and enjoy that. So Yeah. And Tomorrow then I, night. I think... Um, we spoke in the last podcast about young, what's his name? Young Sheldon. Have you seen that show? It's the No, you keep trying to pawn it off on me. Well, the funny thing is, you know, we just discovered it a couple months ago and started watching it and thought, this thing is really clever and really funny, right? But I see for the last three weeks on streaming, young Sheldon has done billions and billions of minutes of streaming. It's number one in the world for streaming for the last three weeks. And old Sheldon, what happened to him? Well, that was that other show. That was the show this came out of called um, The Big Bang Theory. Oh, Did you ever watch oh, that? Oh yeah, with that queen that- Remember that, uh, the smarty, the yeah, smart? Yeah, yeah. This is him when he's young and he's growing up with his parents and he's only like 12 years old and he's going to college. And it's, it's sort of all those things and the family having to deal, you know, sort of with his you know, he's kind of emotionless as a child and smart, but he doesn't quite understand other people's feelings and mm -hmm. things like that because he's very cerebral and everything's about, you know, has to be kind of very He's orderly. on the spectrum, kind of. He's a, Yeah, he's just super smart, so I wouldn't say well, spectrum. Well, that's, yeah. that, that is the as same thing. As much as it is, it, everything to him has to have. I don't know who your cable provider is, but I'm on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Thank God. Uh but yeah, so it's the and it's Jim Parsons character. Right. Yes. So he no, still does now. he still does the voice. He's yeah. the narrator uh telling his story when he's young. It's it's quite it's quite fun and clever. It's worth watching. Uh well, but I just brought I should, that up yeah. because it's been it's 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 all over the competition as far as streaming goes. Hmm. So anything um stink lately? Other than Lauren Brobert. Oh Bobert. Bobart, Bobert, I mean, Boobert. Her. Yeah, go ahead. Fill, fill me in on her latest. Well, you know, she's the national embarrassment from Western Colorado. And I love, this actually happened a few weeks ago, but you know, uh, her husband filed a domestic violence case against her. This is the same one she was making out with in the movie theater? No, that's oh. the Democrat <laughs> boyfriend that she was uh, not making out. They were feeling out each other. He was all over her chest, and she was all over his rest, upper leg. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, denied it until the videos came out. Mm -hmm. In the movie theater. In the theater. No, they were in the real theater. Oh, oh yes. They were watching. Right. They were seeing a live performance. They were leaving. Yeah, no showing a live theater. But they apparently got into it in a restaurant located within her district. She used that as her excuse of why she's now running uh, for the House of Representatives in a different district. She's now moved to a different district. Yeah. Of course, the district she was in was massive. She could have just moved to the other end of it. But she realizes she's never going to win that district again. So she's now moved to a smaller district so she can run there. All I can say, Coloradans, is if, if you vote for her again... You, you need your heads examined. Yeah, well, there's she a lot of people who need useless. their heads examined for re-voting, if you know yeah. what I mean. She is an idiot. Um, 
So that's my political statement for today. Well, thank you very much yes, for sharing that. Of course. Uh, what else you got? What's your stink? Oh, there's just so many things. You know, you, you know how I am. I've always been a bit of a shoe whore. You know, I've always loved expensive, beautiful shoes. Yeah, you know, and that's just one of those things. Men's just... or women's, or it doesn't no, matter. I mean, for myself, I always buy nice shoes, but I always like to. I always notice when people are wearing good shoes. Nice, good shoes. Yeah. I mean, you just it, it'll just throw everything off if you with a bad pair of shoes. And you know, there's one thing to have a bad pair of shoes or a less expensive pair of shoes, and you could always tell, you know. But then some of the shoes now that people wear are just and you know and i just have this propensity to take a picture of them you know and i'll post it just to see i've seen you know them. how ridiculous i mean yeah. this one girl she had a pair of they're not even crocs they were pig snout shoes so they were pink like a croc you know you put your foot in that thing yeah and they're rubber or whatever but then it has a pig snout in front yes and you're walking out in public with a shoe that is a pig's head, basically. Now, so I could not resist, so snapped a couple pictures of that. Not, not, not the person, right? Just from the ankle down. Just Did you get caught? No, I didn't. Oh. Get, well, what happened was, so I posted it saying, "I mean, come on, how ridiculous can we get? I mean, I've, I've seen some bad things, but this is, this is the worst." And so. People, most people got it and agreed with me. Like I wouldn't wear that if my, you know, if my feet right. were on fire, or I'd, you know, I'd walk <laughs> over hot coals before I'd put those things on barefoot, you know, before I'd put those things on. And then this one woman, she berated me so badly. Oh, like you know, someone as, you know as, or don't? No, know. I don't oh. know her. She's one of these, mm. what they call them, trolls or whatever they are. Yeah. You know, they come from whatever, and then they. They're kind of your friend, but they're, I mean, you know, I'm saying your Facebook friend right. through They've whatever. They're following you, but you don't know them. But I don't know them. Yeah. Uh, and so she, on a tirade, and I let her go. I let her go. And I just, <laughs> you know, and then finally I said, you don't know me from a can of paint. You know, I said, you're getting a lot, making a lot more out of this. And, you know, she accused me of, of uh, bullying. This is a shoe. You didn't see the person's face. I didn't say her name. I took a picture of a shoe. Right. I mean, okay, there was a foot in it or two feet in it. But, you know, it, it amazes me how people can just. They have and then else she to says, do. you're a horrible person. I said, oh, I went off. I went off. I think I saved it all. It's still on my page. Oh, I'm going to have to go take a yeah. look at that. <laughs> I was like, holy my God. So, yeah, so that's just stink that people don't have a life and don't have a sense of humor or a sense of style, actually, to wear those shoes. But the sense of humor is what throws me off. You can't even just chuckle at the most ridiculous shoe you've ever seen. It's a shoe, and it's the shape of a pig's head with a snout. There's no humor in that to you? And I'm a terrible <laughs> person because I thought it was hilarious? I don't get it. I don't get it. Clearly, she had nothing going on that day. Yeah, well, you know what? There's something else she can do with a pig. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that drives me crazy, what is the trend with now with the airline behavior, passenger behavior? Oh, doing anything they want? B I mean, just being ridiculous, yelling and screaming at people. At the, you know, I feel so bad for flight attendants and, and gate agents and all of these people that work for the airline that work so hard, so many hours, and they can't even get off the ground because people are just so 
incredibly ridiculous. And what, what is it? Why is it a trend? Or am I just seeing too much of it? Right. I'm surprised that it doesn't. No, I, you see it happen all the time. But it's and of course, on, and on social media, you see videos of it constantly. constantly. All you do is click on one, and now I'm like, I have hundreds right, every day. Exactly. Uh, I know it's well, but that's generally, you know, people sort of do whatever they want. But have you even had an altercation with a person on, on a plane? an airplane? I've never. No. Oh, well, Air Canada banned you from flying with them. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have an altercation. They had a problem <laughs> with me. I was fine with, with them. <laughs> Uh, and it wasn't my fault. So. No, I know, I know. We've already talked about yeah, that. Yeah, but um, I don't know. To, in some ways, I've it's... never had a. I, I, I still get invited to go into the cockpit. Can you believe that? Honestly, the last flight I took from New York, it was on a seven eight seven, and the and the pilot invited me to come into the cockpit and close the door. <laughs> well, they call it cockpit for a reason. <laughs> no, literally, we were talking. He was showing me all the controls. Right. And, I mean, it was so cool. I always have a good time on the so flights. I'm flight always, attendants are always, I'm always wonderful nice to, to me. the flight attendants. Always. And yeah, and by the way, you'd be surprised how much you get out of them if you're nice to them. You yeah, know, if they just, like I mean, you, you get Yeah, but you bonuses. also feel good about your trip. I mean, yeah. isn't that why you're on a plane? I mean, nothing's going to take me, rattle me so bad. I mean, unless I'm going down in flames, then I'll be rattled quick. You know, right, by exactly. the time I'm rattled, I'm, I'm by I, then I, you'll be I then you'll the be mountain. screaming at them. <laughs> Abject horror. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, so, some crazy weather. Yeah, I love it. It's I cold, do, too. Finally, Mammoth got some snow. I'm over the rain, though, part. Well, there's more coming tonight. Yeah, I know. And I'm having a, I'm having a party tonight, which you're coming to. Am I? Dinner? Yeah. You I didn't responded. get a check from you in the mail. Oh, I got a check for you. <laughs> yes. And so I, I had planned to I didn't remember getting my monthly stipend for <laughs> yeah, attending your you. dinner parties. Well, Esther, it's, been, it's catered. I, I was going to oh, do it. Oh, it is? Yeah, I was going to. Because I'm How not many cooking on my day off. 20 something. Oh, you have a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh. I hired entertainment. So, uh, and I was going to have it all outside. I had it all planned and I kept checking. And oh, it's going to be perfect. Then I thought, wait a minute. Last week was in the, it was 80. Right. And it was beautiful at night, balmy, perfect. So I had planned the party accordingly, thinking. Then all of a sudden I hear 40 degrees the low. You know, 56 high. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, 40, that's a lot. That's going to be cold, cold outside. So I got to figure out the heat lamps, you know. The... People are not going to be outside. No, no, tonight. now it's not going to yeah. happen. Right. Now with the rain. And so then we've had the rain. And then they said, no, Saturday, no rain. But Sunday, yes. I said, okay, great. So then we'll just do the heat lamps and all that stuff. Nope. No, it's going to rain gonna tonight. Rain. So now we had to move everything inside. <sighs> Yes. These Do you have enough space? Yeah, well, you've known I have, have had many a party no, inside. No, I know. But I need to, yeah. lie, you know, I need to like lie down on the sofa with that fur, yeah, after two with drinks. The fur blanket. <laughs> Next to the fireplace. <laughs> yes. Well, it's going to be cold. A, did you turn it's going to be cold. Lightweight. You lightweight. I've never th- liked the cold. N- drinking. What are you talking about? I drink plenty. You drink, you have two drinks and then you're like snoring <laughs> on the couch. That's because I had two before I got there. <laughs> and two when you left? Maybe. No, actually, that last night at your, uh, last week at your house, I had probably more than I should. I like you when you get, when you uh, drink. drink. Oh, you do? 
Yeah, it's it's those hits of black tar heroin that that are really annoying when you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like you when you're tipsy. I you're gave fun. up heroin days ago. Yeah, right. You're you're fun with uh, with alcohol. You're a fun drunk. No, but I don't mean to say it like that. That sounds rude. I mean, you're a fun. I don't really get drunk. That's person. the thing. I'm always one of those. That yeah, has I don't to be either. In control. Yeah. If I've had too much to drink, if I can't drive home, then I stop. Oh, of course. I'm in no condition to walk. <laughs> of course, I'm going to drive home. <laughs> now you know what I mean. I never go to where I can't be driving. Yeah. Yeah. No, me either. Because I don't I... like to be out of control that way. No, well, we both have that 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 little gene of the control gene. Yes, you know, control I freaks. I yeah, think but they but I have us. no problem taking an Uber. So, how about with your flying lately? Have you been? I have been actually. It's speaking been, of <laughs> speaking of flying, lot, yeah. Um, I did. You know what I'm doing is I. You know when you, I learned in a Piper Twenty Eight. It's a little tiny thing. That's what I got my pilot's license in, and but you know they're they're not very fast. And they can't lift very much weight. Right. And and the place where I took my lessons got so busy. When I first joined it, it was like, you know, all these planes sitting there. I had my choice. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then as it went along, they got busier and busier and busier. It must have been my endorsement on Facebook. And, he, you know, he's buying extra planes. because I could never get a plane. That's how wow. crowded. A lot of people busy. are. A lot of people are learning, learning to, fly. to fly. But I couldn't Which get a plane. Which is great because we've had problems finding pilots so the funny thing is i then did a little research to see you know who else rented planes that until i of course buy my learjet um who else at the at van nuys rents planes and there was a place at the other end of the airport and their planes are so beautiful and so well kept and they all look like they're brand new even though some of them are 20 30 40 years old right so they're maintained well oh they're maintained i mean perfect condition beautiful so, but when you change planes, I'm now in a Cessna 172, you have to go with an instructor and you have to get checked out on the new plane so that you understand, you know, it takes off at different yeah, of speeds course. and has different landing links and requirements and whatnot. So I'm doing that. I probably have one more day with him and then I, I can go off on my own. But it's funny because I, I really like my new instructor. You know, my other instructors were young and I, they were all great and I love them, but they're young and they're all trying to become pilots, right? Right. So everything for them is a rush and a go, you know, like when you're young. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get into the pilot seat and put on my glasses and do my thing and take my time. And I always felt rushed because they're always ready to, let's go, yeah. let's go, right? But this guy is uh, my age, slightly younger. And so he's putting on his glasses, too, and he's not in a rush, you know. And I thought, oh, this is so much easier. And then our rapport was really great talking and whatnot. And when we got back to the office the first day, uh, I said, tell me your name again, your last name. I knew his first name. I said, tell me your last name again. And he told me, and I was like, why do I know that name? Was it Earhart? (laughs) (laughs) And... It turns out he, I knew him from when I worked with Jules Stewart when I was in my 20s. And You're this kidding. is her adopted son. And he's now, a, he's, he, I, guess I said, well, what do you do, you know, really for work? Because this is sort of a side job for him. And he, and he said, oh, I'm a grip on, uh, for TV shows. And that kind of clicked in my mind. And I kind of knew the name. And I thought, and then he said, do you know the people who own Keels? Oh my God! No and I way. said, 
yeah, they used to own Kiehl's. I know them. I said, how are you associated with them? And he said, you and I uh, went out and drove in their Ferrari one day. And he said, we drove all over town. They gave us their car, and we drove all over town in the Ferrari. And I said, well, who are you? <laughs> it was Jules Stewart's adopted son. That is so wild. And it's God, been, talk about small world. I know. It's and even... it's been great because I, flying with him is so comfortable yeah. and easy. And he, you know, he doesn't put that stress on me where you're yeah. making mistakes. And, and it's been a lot of fun learning. Yeah, but it's kind plane. of cool because in a... You know, no pun, but kind of taken you under his wing, yeah, in a sense. You know, yeah, because there's that comfort there, and like, oh, I, it's like my buddy thing. I want to show you everything. Yeah. I really want you to. to oh, be it's good really at nice. It, I love it. You know, and then you're so interested because you can trust. Yeah, that person. So it's no, and he's cool. super yeah. knowledgeable, and he's you know, very calm and cool. I love it. It's yeah. been oh, they, good. these few lessons you. have been nothing but great Good. pleasure for what me. was the plane when i went up with you in the very beginning when you just that was started? it the piper okay i just want our listeners to hear this i am that good a friend <laughs> that good a friend and supportive of a friend that alan's only like third lesson i went up with him in this rickety rackety <laughs> rubber bland balsa wood <laughs> plane plane and we made it and i was so proud of you Except remember when you made that little right turn and the door opened up and I almost went flying out. <laughs> yeah, that was planned. But yeah, I know you. Uh, yeah, no, that 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 plane was. I, I got comfortable in that plane, but I didn't like the way it looked. And you know, it's funny when you're <laughs> yes, when you're well, checking out the planes. You know, they're always appearances. Like, you know, they're always looking about. You know, are there dents in the plane and are there you know problems? And, yeah, you know, the propeller and, fell off. Yeah, but of course that plane it was like all dented. Yeah, I mean, and as you remember, you had even stated on here once. You said I didn't like that I could see the sky through the edge of the door. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> it was rattling. Well, you would love this plane. It's really beautiful i cannot tell you it looks brand new and it's probably uh 35 years old wow will and i want to fly out to the river to see julie and gary oh and, that's a great idea yeah and we'll get a get a big enough plane that the well that's, it has to be that plane yeah it seats four okay but you can't bring a lot of luggage which i know i is don't a need anything i'll you. take a backpack not for me that was that was one time on the cruise <laughs> i made a mistake i brought the wrong <laughs> i brought this vintage Louis Vuitton set Suitcase. of luggage, which I've had, had forever. Had no wheels. Well, th why would you have a Louis Vuitton with wheels? That stink. It was the hard <laughs> luggage, and we were in Europe. And yes, it was very chic, and I brought it. And I thought, what am I thinking about dragging this? It was so heavy. Not as heavy as Nora's Hard suitcase. Louis Vuitton suitcase on a, on a private yacht. I mean, it did look good. <laughs> it did look good. Oh, God, the things we do is stupid, stupid. Yeah. I'll never forget Andrew carrying that through Victoria Station in London. We got off the train on one side of the station. Oh, and Andrew never let me hear the end of it. And that. we had to go all the way to the other station. I don't think I've used that luggage since. Now I'm embarrassed to use it. Well, it's not practical anymore. I mean, it it's was not. great when you could, you know, when you when had you your guy take it out and throw it on the back of your stagecoach, and then the stagecoach <laughs> took you to the train, and then they took it from your stagecoach <laughs> to the train. It's not that vintage. And you didn't have to worry about it. But <laughs> it's just it's the the style, the vintage style. It's the hard the hard suitcases. I have the whole set. Yeah. But I mean, it does. It, it's just not practical for today's travel. First of all, you're going to put that on a plane. And you're going to be lucky if you get it on the carousel. If you if somebody were going to take it off the carousel before you. Right. And then what it's going to look like when it gets off the plane because they throw stuff around 
and they don't they treat everything like it's a, a Samsung. Oh yeah, no, I know yeah. it's crazy. You know, when we flew to um, Texas to see Will's uh, parents at Christmas, I still had that old trunk from Calvin. Uh, he'd had this old trunk that his, I want to say, grandmother, maybe great grandmother, when they came from Poland. They landed in Texas, and then they took, you know, they had to move inland. They went inland, and she had this trunk. And so it's one of those heavy, big, with the wood slats yeah, going sure. around it. And he'd had that. And when we cleaned out his apartment, I thought, I better keep this trunk, right? I think his family's going to want it. But, you know, it was heavy, and it was huge. And I had then filled it with a bunch of stuff that I knew that they would want. So to ship it, on UPS, they wanted... $800 to ship the trunk to Texas. And they wanted me to pay to have a whole box built around the trunk. I said, it is a box. <laughs> what? Yeah. You want me the to box put the box, in box inside a box, right? I thought, that's crazy. So when we flew down there, I thought, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take it as my luggage. And then I just have to pay for oversized luggage, which was $200 or whatever. Right. I filled it with stuff. and But I had to wheel. It had wheels on it. And I had to wheel it through the airport to get it to the special luggage. And everybody kept going, oh, my God, where'd you get that trunk? I thought, this trunk is never going to make the destination. Like four people stopped me and said, what is that trunk? It's so beautiful. Did he still have it? No, I, I, we brought it to Texas so his family could pick it up. Oh. Yeah. Well, and they just take all the stuff inside and then you keep the trunk. No, they really wanted the trunk, well, too, see? because it was their great-grandmother's. Mm. And I even had a lot of history for them. So Yeah. Um, and thank God now it's out of my garage because, yeah, you know, now you just got to get the 18 bicycles you have hanging on the wall out it's of It's not there. the bikes, it's the chairs, it's the old dining room chairs. Yeah, that are but in what there. are you affectionately I need to sell them. holding on to those? No, I have to sell them, they're very valuable. Are they? Yeah, oh, they're, okay. well, they're chrome for? like these, and they were a specific designer. Those oh. chairs are worth about $1,200 each. Well, get on it. I know, yeah, what do you want? I could for? use the cash sitting on your ass. I'm <laughs> not sitting on the chairs. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, um, well I'm looking forward to. Uh, let's move on to Desmond. Yeah. In fact, I think he will be here any moment. So we let's can wrap up this session up and start it up. And you guys are going to have to listen to a commercial or two. But when we come back, we will have Grammy nominee Desmond Child. All right. We're back. And we are very excited. Because with us, we have Desmond Child, who we've been bragging about you, by the way, the whole first part of the show. We played yes, we music. did our intro. We did our intro. We've played your music. So we've got everybody all hyped up that you're here. But welcome. We're thrilled. Oh, thank you so much, Alan. This will be fun. Yeah, it will. Now, we've already caught up on yes. a lot of things. Yes, Joey. So happy you're here. Thank you for coming all this way. Okay, so tell us. You're in town because of the Grammys. Yes, it's Grammy week. Um, I, I went last night to the Music Cares Person of the Year. They were honoring my dear friend, colleague, and godfather to our sons, Roman and Nero, John Bon Jovi. Yes. And um, they, they, different artists were doing tributes. They performed six of the songs I had collaborated on with him. Uh -huh. So that was exciting. Can and you name all those songs instantly? Yes. <laughs> and the lyrics. Let's see. Oh, you can just do the hit ones if you want, if that makes it easier. They're all They're hits. They're all hits. <laughs> you Give Love a Bad Name, uh, Bad Medicine, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Born to Be My Baby, 
Uh, you want to make a memory, keep the faith, um, living on a prayer. Living there on you a prayer. go. There you go. Okay. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. And I got to meet Paul McCartney. And we saw that I photo. I saw the picture That's pretty, of you guys. How yeah. cool, cool is that? Very cool. And the beautiful thing is that, you know, I he was so sweet. He took my hand and, you know, and I told him, you know, I named myself after a character in one of your songs, Obladi Oblada. And uh, he was like, looked at me, so like, really? Yes, I was like 15 years old. And um, the, the last stanza, it's, uh, you know, says, um, you know, Something about Molly works, you know, in the marketplace, uh -huh. and uh, she lets the children uh, lend a hand. Uh, Desmond stays at home and paints his pretty face. At night, she's a singer in the band. So he he went, you know, like uh -huh. like trans, right? right. <laughs> you know, and so and so, you know, nobody really kind of gets it. They just thought they were goofing around, like, you know. And he said. You know, I've often wondered, um, you know, if if people understood the, the 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 fact that Desmond was gay, and I said, I understood. How you got it? Yeah, <laughs> you got that memory. And what it was so sweet of is, I often wondered, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh bloody, oh bloody, yeah. life goes on strong. La 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 la, life goes on. Right. Well, since you brought that, brought sort of the, you changed your name. Yes. Legally. Yes. I did yeah. Early. So you have an interesting backstory, which we'll tell quickly since you sort of brought that up. Your mother is Cuban. My mother is Cuban. My mother's Cuban. No me digas. Sí, la verdad. Yeah. Oh and wow. By the way, Cardenas. you may know his Cardenas. grandfather. Cardenas. You may know, but from where in Cuba? Havana. In La Habana. La Habana. La Habana. You may yeah. know his grandfather, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Santos. Santos. No, I don't know him. Ah. Singer. Singer, songwriter. I mean, yeah, for for years and years, and from the 1930s. Is to the he 90s. still with us? No, he died in '92. Uh huh. But like Perdón, uh, Dos Cardenas, Noche de Ronda, all those big hits he right. wrote uh, with Pedro he wrote Flores, and yeah, Pedro Flores was his composer. And, oh wow! Yeah, I'm, we you know songs. I helped to co-found the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame with Rudy Paris. And, you know, we often uh, induct posthumously. Mm. So wow. we, we, he you know. wrote, one of the songs he wrote was uh, when the, I think it was in July of, July 26 was um, Castro had recorded it. Singing? Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? No, I've got to hear Castro. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's too much. Yeah. Oh, that's so... Oh, yeah, you have to look it up. It's that wild. That is so important to I know. know. Yeah. Because I'm writing a, a musical... Yeah, I'll tell you the name of the song. If I, I'll, I'll remember it, and I'll, I'll tell it to you. I, but yeah. I'm writing a musical called Cuba Libre. Oh, and yeah. it's, it's the true story of my family before and after the Cuban Revolution. My mother had two very gorgeous younger sisters, and one became the mistress of the dictator Batista, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the other one became Fidel Castro's lover after the revolution. And you know they liked we, powerful men. Clearly, well, yeah, well, they were so gorgeous that you would understand yeah, why right. a dictator would want want them. Sure. Want yeah. one? <laughs> I have one of those. <laughs> and um, you know, so th it's their story and how you know it's two sisters, two dictators, one island, 
you do the math. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say that Castro sings because in the show we had to make it, we had Castro singing, you know, and uh, when he meets Mir Miriam and they do this love duet and all that. And then everybody said, no, no one will ever believe that Castro sings. And now, and now I've got right. to find you're telling me that he sings. So now I can does go back. Do? Did he just sing or does he sing? <laughs> well, I there's, didn't hear it. There's a big so. difference. Oh, I my mean, God. I mean, I can sing. Now I have, like, proof oh that the character can sing, like, and did, and for reals. <laughs> Especially, you, there's a recording, Joey? One of which, th this my grandfather wrote. He wrote this with... Uh, Conjunction with Pedro Ortiz Davila and Las Patriotas. Las Patriotas. Yeah, and then in 1946, and then he. Uh, oh, and one of his one. Uh, it also inspired him to write dozens of songs. One of which called Sierra Maestra. Sierra Maestra. Uh huh. And that was broadcast by Castro during the the movimiento on 26th of July. I have to have it. Yeah, so that's <laughs> interesting. Huh? Yeah. Yes. All right. So you learned something by coming on this Movimiento. podcast. Movimiento. My Spanish is so off. Movimiento. Movimiento. Yes, I grew up, my first language was Spanish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to, even though I was born in the United States, you know, I just grew up in the Cuban exile community. Mm -hmm. So everyone just spoke Spanish. So when I went to first grade, I started learning English. Right. I don't speak that that so well either. <laughs> when I went to NYU, English uh, is my goodest. It's <laughs> my goodest. When I went to NYU, they actually put me in an elocution course, um, and I was like, "Why?" You know, it's like, and everybody in there like had turbans. They were like, you know, from all over the world. They could yeah, yeah. barely speak English, right? And then there was me, you, you know, and yeah. I had to learn how to say jewelry. Instead uh, of jewelry, Tuesday, Tuesday, instead of Tuesday, uh -huh. mm -hmm. I had this like Hialeah accent. I wish people <laughs> took more elocution uh -huh. classes. Library instead of library, yeah. which I heard somebody say, oh, I can't a well-known person on TV the other library. night, and they said library, and I thought, ooh. <sighs> no, library on national news. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> While chewing gum. Yes. So um, there you have it. Um, I, my mother was a songwriter. And she was. Yes, and she wrote a style called bolero. Yeah. And, you know. And that's what my, his, most of his songs were. Of course. And my uncle was a dancer and a singer in a group called Los Bucaneros at the Tropicana nightclub, where he met the, you know, the biggest singer of Cuba, Olga Guillot. Of course I knew her as a little boy. And also, yes, you must know them because my grandmother owned, she was partners with um, Barbara Walter's father in a cup, the Sans Souci. And she yes. owned, my grandmother owned the um, Southland nightclubs. Wow. So, so, it's so, crazy. so I grew up with Olga Guillot being my auntie. Yeah, yeah. And so my mother was, her whole life, all she wanted was for Olga to sing one of her boleros. And Olga never did. Except so for her last album. She finally sang Doña Tristeza, which was, you know, one of my mom's best songs, and she sang it. Isn't that cool? That wow. is cool. So my mother yeah. got to live to see her uh -huh. song sung right. by Olga Guillot. Very nice. So when she passed away, um, you know, 
to honor her. That was, you know, in 2012 she passed, and that's when I got together with Rudy Perez, and we co-founded the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're and we have a, our show is called La Musa Awards, and La Musa is my mother. Uh, there's a statue of her from 1954 playing guitar, and that's a statuette that we give. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's fantastic. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, that's totally So our next one is October 24th at the Hard Rock Live. And, um, you know, it's going to be, it's always very spectacular. And it's when again? October, October 24th. October. I want to go. Okay. All right. The Hard, yeah, Rock Hard Rock Live, Live in Miami? In Hollywood, Florida. In Hollywood, there. okay. And and the thing is, you know, if anything having to do with Latin events, like, mm -hmm. you know, everyone dresses up like, oh yeah, like it's the Oscars. Oh yeah, yeah. As they you know, should. the most as they you know, should. They, as still, they, they should. They still like to get dressed yeah. up. Yes, <clears throat> and so um, it's always a very glamorous night with all the stars and Gloria and Emilio are mm -hmm. always there. And uh, last time we did it, and Emily Estefan was our host of a show i think she's coming back again oh fantastic oh, she's great. very very I'll fly quick in. So that'll be fun yeah, actually let us know and we'll, we'll be there yes and so um in the meantime um you know i live in nashville tennessee and how did that come about it's a big difference i know well <laughs> when and wait a minute talk about that elocution <laughs> <laughs> I think you executed that accent. <laughs> so you're half Cuban? Mm -hmm. And half Italian. Wow, lucky yeah. you. And Spanish, too, because my grandmother, my mother's mother was born in Barcelona, and then she moved to Cuba. Right. My mother was born my, in Cuba. My Spanish part of my family was from Barcelona. Wow, that's we have a lot in common. I know. That's so wild. Maybe we're related. Maybe no, we maybe. are. <laughs> well, so tell us about, but your father, you found out much later in life, was not your the real father, father you thought it that's was. That's right. Because my mother, when she was 23, she was thought she was going to be a spinster. Because she was tall and very thin, and uh -huh. she wasn't, you know, curvy like, you know, yeah. Latina women. Right. She was like 5'8 and all this kind of stuff. But she, very beautiful face. And so this American geologist fell in love with her. And he took her to live, and they only knew each other six weeks and got married. And she like says, okay, I'm out of here with an Americano. Right. So she went to live in the jungles of Venezuela. She had no idea what, what, was, what was happening. What was ahead of her. Yeah, yeah, and his parents had been British. So he brings his mother, who's like, a mean Helen Mirren, <laughs> Grammy Barrett, uh -huh. uh, to live with them. And Grammy didn't speak any Spanish, and my mother didn't speak any English. And, you know, my mother became very, very unhappy. Mm -hmm. And so she Yeah, would, she probably felt very alone. Yeah, and she, so she'd go into town, and um, on the other side of Lake Maracaibo in Venezuela, there was a little kind of dusty, wild west town, and uh, there was a, a theater, one little theater, and they would play American movies. So she'd go to the matinee get on Wednesday. And so she walked in, no one in the theater. She walked in, sat down. All of a sudden, a man came around and sat next to her and just stared at her the whole time. And, of course, that was kind of sexy. And then they went for coffee, <laughs> and then they kept meeting every Wednesday. And then eventually, you know, she got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that's where you come in. That's where I came in. But and meanwhile, you were thinking... Barrett, that Daddy right. Barrett was, was, was... Yeah, but they didn't even last being married. 
Uh, so, you know, mm -hmm. I, I was going to Ecuador. He, he got a job in Ecuador. I was going to Ecuador in the summer times. And, you know, finally, 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 he passed away, like really young, 62 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was 18, my real father stepped forward. He was a Hungarian immigrant that had gone there after the war. Wow. Uh, and uh, he was, you know, trying to do a business building oil platforms and this and that. Uh -huh. And um, then, you know, he, you know, told me, he, you know, it was like a Luke Skywalker moment, you know, I am your father, you know, <laughs> yeah. with a fake Hungarian accent. And he took me under his wing and helped me to get through, you know, college. And uh -huh. uh, we stayed very close. And, you know, and he had his, his own family. Sure. You know, the, after my mother, you know, then he married someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so that's how it is. And so we're all kind of like a blended family. And yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's passed away. But, um, you know, the, the thing is, is that I have, you know, I'm 50% Hungarian. And, and the other half, it's weird because I'm, they, the 23andMe says I'm 20, no, like 38% French. It's, well, it's weird what we don't Cuba, know. Though. Yeah, hmm? that makes sense for Cuba. Yes, mm -hmm. because yeah, because my aunt, most people came from there, came from somewhere else. Well, yeah. Well, my original ancestors were were granted lands by the King of France in Haiti, right? Mm -hmm. And so they went to Haiti, and then in the slave revolt of nine of seventeen ninety three, they got kicked out of there, and they went to New Orleans, where the rest of the mm -hmm. French were. And then in 1803, there came the Louisiana Purchase. So they had to go flee off, you know, they had, were trying to start their plantations again. And they went to the western tip of Cuba. So if you go to the western tip of Cuba, you see a lot of people, very fair, you know. Yes, for sure. And um, so. Especially for the Spaniards, too, because my yes. grandmother, my mother's mother was redhead and she has gray eyes. Uh -huh. You know, and then it's interesting because in my. DNA, you know, with, with that that thing, you know, that 23 and me. me or whatever it was. Uh, I have no, it doesn't even show Cuba as part of any part of my Heritage. thing, but it shows Spanish. Right. right. But, and then Italian is uh, 80%. Right. From, the, from my father's side. So it's very That's interesting awesome. how that yes. works. A tiny little bit of French and then a little bit of African. I guess that's where the Cuban part came in. Yes. You know, because a lot of Cuba was the African yes. part. So very interesting how yeah. how that all works. You That's know? where you get your cheekbones. I guess so. You know? <laughs> yes, there. Right? A few other things you know? from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh -huh. lucky you. My tambourine. <laughs> 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 and then what prompted a move to Nashville? <clears throat> well, when Rock died... You know, Nirvana came in, mm -hmm. and from one day to the next, all the bands I was working with became legacy acts. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, it was just, there was, there was no work. Mm -hmm. And so I had gone to some, you know, I went to the, we were living in Los Angeles, my husband Curtis and I, and um, I went to some barbecue place, and I heard some music in the background. It sounded like Bon Jovi except the singer had a twang. Uh -huh. And so I asked who it was, and it's Garth Brooks. Right. Oh. So I said, that's where I have to go. 
that's my kind of music. Yeah, because so you can definitely. I set my sights on Nashville, and I got my publisher to set me up there. And um, I wanted to write with Victoria Shaw because she had co-written songs with Garth Brooks. See, I had a strategy that I was going to get yeah, into yeah, that the was smart. Garth Brooks world. Right. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the first song, first country song I wrote is a song called Where Your Road Leads that became a duet with Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. And this is, you know, urban cowboy legend <laughs> uh, that they fell in love singing that song. Hmm, so that song, you know, destroyed two marriages, <laughs> but they're still very happy together. So yeah, we're, right. we're happy about that. Tell me a little bit about the songwriting process and how someone like Bon Jovi or Cher or any of these that are on your list, uh, how do they get your song? I, I had worked for a short period of time with a writer in Miami. And, you know, he had recorded his songs. He sort of did the demos, I guess. And then those went out to, I guess, to singers. But tell me how that process works, because I think people don't quite understand sort of how it gets, your song gets onto their album. Well, I had a stroke of luck because I had my group Desmond Child and Rouge, and we were on Capitol Records. And we were making our first album, and we are performing at a little place called Tracks. And this guy, you know, we, the, there was no dressing room. There was just the curtain and then the stage, right? So yeah. <laughs> he pokes his head around the cur- curtain. He says, hey, I'm Paul Stanley of Kiss. Um, and we looked at him like we didn't know what he looked like because in those days they, they always, always make up. Yeah, yeah, they they could this secret. be a poser or whatever? Now and you know why they kept it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's a very handsome man every Thumb which now. way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, he said, I just want to let you know that uh, George Harrison of the Beatles is sitting at the front table. And it was like, I almost fainted. And at, Where's Tracks? Where is it? What city? It was New York City. Oh, okay. It was 72nd Street, and it was underground, literally an underground club. Okay. And so... Um, we killed it that night, and Paul came afterwards to say hello again, and uh, he said, hey, you know, you and I should try writing a song. I said, okay, great. I'm writing songs for our first album, so we wrote a song called The Fight, which was co-written uh, with our, my, guitar, my guitarist, uh, David Landau, John Landau's brother, mm-hmm. and then it was like, now it was his turn, and I said, so, you know, now... Let's you and I write a song for your band. And he looked at me like, you don't know Gene. (laughs) Gene Simmons. (laughs) So anyway, he said, okay, come by. You know, we're rehearsing at SIR. Come by at lunchtime. So I get there right at one. And, you know, the the band, you know, in all their gear and regalia. Yeah, mullets and, 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 you know, like come trundling out. And I'm like standing there and they're like, you know, knocking me over like as they walk out. So I go into the rehearsal room and there's Paul. And then there's in the corner this nine foot grand piano with a big heavy canvas um, cover because Kiss had no use for a piano. Right. So we rolled back the canvas and we sat down and wrote, I was made for loving you. And oh, wow. um, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. The rest is the rest is history. History, yeah. Uh, and that that started, you know, that's the thing that brought money in. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, right away. I mean, it was song. like, 
you know, number one right away in yep. Australia. And it was just, it's still to this day, one of mm -hmm. my biggest selling songs. And um, so um, then what happened was that my group broke up and, you know, it's all in my book, by the way. That's which right. we're going to talk about. Yes. We're going to talk about that next. Big songs. Big, big, big life. life. Yes, everything's big about me. <laughs> you got a little African in you too. <laughs> yes, I, there is. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so um, anyway, I just got distracted. <laughs> big songs, big life. Yes, yes, about. yes. So um, we wrote that song, and then other bands started calling me. Mm -hmm. Paul Stanley gave my number to. Um, John Bon Jovi, and the, the, they were um, on the Kiss tour, one of the opening bands, and I came to see him and, and Richie Sambora, the guitarist, sure. and the very first day that we met, I had a title in my back pocket called You Give Love a Bad Name. Oh, yeah, I love that song. And so John, who was like, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, distracted, maybe shy or whatever... When I said the title, he looked at me straight in the face and he, like his face lit up. I never saw so many teeth. You know, <laughs> that smile is like yeah, yeah. epic. And uh, I said, oh my God, this guy is so handsome. You know, he's going to be, be a huge star. So we wrote that song like in an hour and a half. Wow. And then um, we went on continuing to write, Living on a Prayer, Bad Medicine. Um, born to be my baby, keep the faith, you yeah, know, I want to, you want to make a memory and, uh, you know, but many other songs, you know, um, that were part of the records that yeah. were more like album tracks I sure. co-wrote. Co and then Aerosmith, uh, you know, came, came a Colin and, uh, the first song we wrote was Dude Looks Like a Lady, <laughs> which was a big hit. Yeah. Yes. It brought them back. Mm -hmm. And Angel, What It Takes, um, Crazy, um, and many other songs as well. Um, so they sought you out after hearing songs you'd done for other people. And yes. they thought, oh, we like these. Yeah, number one, being number one helps. Yeah, yeah. of course. Plus, and, then, and then the collaboration is great, too, because that's the inspiration that they hear in you and then vice versa. And you want to write for them because now they, you know, their voice and their, their style of music inspires you to write for that. So. Well, ex exactly, because I write, you know, like a custom tailor. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. You know, it's not off the rack. Uh -huh. right. It's like it's couture. I, it's, it's couture, and I <laughs> sew it right onto their body. Right onto the body. Their yeah. body, because, sew it onto you know, their tongue. into their souls <laughs> yeah, exactly. forever. That's right. And, you know, a lot of my songs could never have been really done by anybody else but them, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it was pulled out of their story. Right. You know, the interesting thing when you say it, if you go back on your on your songs, many of them haven't been sung by anybody else. That's right. You know, it's that specific. You know, it's yes. that that person, that song, that it, it would almost be cheating it if somebody else did it. I know. You know, I, I'm one of my mentors was Bob Crew, who wrote all the songs with Bob Gaudio for the Four Seasons. He also with Kenny Nolan. He wrote uh, Lady Marmalade, mm -hmm. and he had a lot of hits. He was a big producer, and he was. He was gay as well, um, and very, you know, he was a model when he was young, like beautiful, 
red, you know, like ginger hair and uh-huh. just the cheekbones, the blue eyes, amazing. And so when he was in his 50s, he took me under his wing. And by the way, he'd, he would only work with Scorpios. Oh, interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, so I don't know if you all saw Jersey Boys, but that's in Jersey Boys uh-huh. you know, because um, Bob Gaudio is a Scorpio. So he would, Kenny Nolan is a Scorpio. So he took me on because I said I was a Scorpio. And so, and so, uh, you know, I wrote 38 songs with him over two years, um, and that's what taught me how to write songs. Uh-huh. So his, the, his approach, see, in the past, it was always just improvising on the piano, kind of mumbling some melodies, you know, not really knowing, you know, anything, and hoping that one of those mumbles sounded like a word <laughs> that then I could hang the rest of the song on. on. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, that was completely backwards. You have to start, you know, preferably with a strong title. And then everything writes itself because that title will eliminate all the wrong choices right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to sift through every word in the English language. Yeah. You know, that that fits that storyline. That process is very very much so because I write for a magazine. I have been writing for the last eight years. And it always starts... The art I do. I have my own column, and every every article always starts with a title, and then I right. sit down and then I tell the story from that. That's the but that's, that's the, the only best way, way I work. Yeah. He he always said, you know, you don't open your mouth to say something without having something to say. Right. Why should you open your mouth to sing, sing something, something without something to sing about? Mm-hmm. And he also said something wise as well that the Lyrics are the script of the movie of the song. And what's the last thing they add to a movie? The music, the score, mm-hmm. with no budget left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so they and, say. So, and so that that's really says it all because then it becomes all about the story. You know, and, you know, I have so many story songs, like yeah. Living on a Prayer mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, Waking Up in Vegas, which I co-wrote with Andreas Carlson uh, and Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, you know, her going to Vegas with her gay best friend and, you know, getting into all kinds of trouble. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. is that still the case today? They're coming to you and saying, let's do a song or I need a song and this is what I'm thinking. Because you must also have things that you come to to you that you write that now you're like, OK, I've written this. Now, what do I do with it? Well, I... I used to mainly sol- solely write for Desmond Child and Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I started writing with bands, and you know, I, I had kind of a lonely childhood, so I loved collaboration and the fun of it, the dirty jokes, you know, the, you know let's take a break, let's go get coffee, all the procrastination. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, easy, it's easier to procrastinate with someone right. else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. much more fun. Much more fun anyway. Um, so... Um, you know, so that's that's kind of like, you know, how I go about it. Strutting into town like you're slinging a gun Just a small town dude with a big city attitude Honey, are you looking? 
for some trouble tonight. I've been so lucky because I take every day, you know, it's like yesterday I, I, I was backstage at the uh, Music Cares where they honored John Bon Jovi and, and you know, different performers. I performed songs that I had collaborated on with Bon Jovi, like, um, you know, all the songs I mentioned before. And, um, but I said something that I thought was clever uh, to, to Sammy Hagar. He said, you know, you and I should write a song together. I can't think of any lyrics. And I said, well, how about, to, you, know, when, you know, today is the starting line of tomorrow, not the finish line of yesterday. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I just, it just like came out of me. Right. So he was like impressed. It was like a hat trick. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I pulled a rabbit out of that. So I hope he calls me, you know, because <laughs> I have a lot of, you know, admiration for him. And, uh, you know, and that's how it works. You know, I get in there and I was, you know, working on songs that were hard rock with a lot of, you know, very hetero bands. Uh, but you see, my trick was I always made friends with the wife. Mm. And, you know, they'd go off to their, you know, AA meeting or something. And by the time they came back, I'd rearrange the, the furniture and <laughs> rehung paintings and <laughs> fluff the pillows. Uh -huh. and, and the wife would always say, please bring Desmond back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's funny. So it's like being the palace eunuch. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. knew, they knew they could trust me yeah, with their exactly. wives. Had no interest. Right. Yeah. Just right, leave exactly. the black Amex and I'll take care of her. Yeah. Yeah, a, and that happens a lot. A with lot. A lot of the rich women I know and stuff, the, the husband want you because he doesn't want to go to those boring, they right. find boring. I don't want to go to a fashion show. I don't want to go to that party. It's right. Boring. They're happy rather do. So you take her. Oh, right. by the way, by the way, uh, Ryan Murphy's new show, Feud. Feud. We were yeah. talking about we were that. We talking about it. The um, Capote versus the Swans. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly. what that's all about. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. We were yeah. talking about you know, the same thing. And I, we watched it the other night. First of all, we watched the documentary on and Capote just to start. Yeah. And then, because we had to wait till 10 to act, that's when it went on. On FX. Then yeah. we, we couldn't go to sleep because we had to watch the two episodes back to back. It's the best thing that, that's yeah, I'm gonna, that I'm, Ryan I'm Murphy has ever done. I think Gus Van Zandt is, is, is directing. directing who yeah. I, and I oh love my his God. stuff. Oh my God. It was just beyond yeah, perfection. My... The styling, the, you know, the, that period uh -huh. with, the, with those big beehives and or the jewels the and jewels coordinated and yes yes I well, said, that's you, my that's just, my sunday watch tomorrow you you just sort of repeated what we said in the first literally segment, said in the I opening said, the best thing is you should probably read a little bit about truman so that you know what why this is or but you watch the documentary first yes so people who don't really understand that story they should you know watch a documentary yeah. yes. or understand a little bit of, about who he was and why this happened and then it'll make the show even that much you know better for them yes and there's a whole movie just on his writing in cold blood where mm -hmm. you know he falls in love with one of the killers yeah he does yeah you that's know right. and I mean, that really and, happened you know jo johnny carson's first wife joanne well she's in this she's yeah, one of she's the swans right. by molly ringwald and yeah she's buried next to him they were best friends all through Oh yeah. yeah. Well, she when they all booted him, she had him at her house. Yeah, she yeah. So, she was yeah. a loyal friend 
to the end. She was a Malibu woman, and they were New York East Side. That's yeah. right. That's all <laughs> yeah. up on the show. Uh-huh. But, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Joanne Carson, not Joanna. Yeah. Yeah, Joanne, Joanne Carson. The first one. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I'm just, you know, been so extraordinarily lucky. You know, first of all, you know, I had a lot of trouble, you know, kind of really figuring out I was way more gay than bi. You know, because I, I had started Desmond Child and Rouge with my girlfriend, Maria mm-hmm. Vidal. And we were together living in a little railroad apartment in the end of the hungry years, like the best, funnest times ever. But as I be- became maturing as a man, I realized I'm not just androgynous like, you know, David Bowie or Mick Jagger being a rock star. It's like everything in me started to, you know, be very clear. So that's kind of what broke couldn't up. Couldn't hide our, that at that point. I, I couldn't. Why would you want to? I couldn't. And I tried to live a double life, and I went through all of that, and had so many troubles. And then I joined cults. Really? You know, yes. And I, I. That's all in my book. What kind uh, of cult? Well, first of all, the the last one was called Aquanasa, and it was our voice teacher, who seemed to know everything about everything, became like the guru. And then all the voice students, you know, and this was a time of AIDS. So mm. we were all frightened to death yes. as we saw so all of our friends, friends were yeah. like dropping, you At know, all around. The most prime of your life, 20s. And right. So he, he had this kind of, you know, be here now kind of uh, Eckhart Tolle kind of philosophy, sure. you know. And so we all moved with him to, uh, you know, we bought this. Plantation. It was the Jeffersonian called Mont. Uh, it was called Montecola, and um, it was Jeffersonian land on the James River and all this kind of stuff. And we we spent two years restoring it, and that was a lot of fun. And you know, because everybody was in show business, a lot of laughs and all of that. But this guy became, you know, the 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 leader of it became more and more. Uh, manipulative yeah, and you know do. playing one against the other and suddenly you'd be the the one that could go into town with him and have a great day and then you know two days later all of a sudden you were like punished yeah uh-huh. and then trade the favorites and so and so you you never knew where you stood and then it slowly wears down your self-esteem yeah right. has to control you and so i i went you know i went to a songwriting um, summit in Moscow with 48 other writers. I mean, it was like, you know, Diane Warren, Holly Knight, Billy Steinberg. Um, it, it just went on and on, like, you know, Brenda Russell, uh, Mike, yeah, Mike Stoller, all, all of these, like, giants. And we were meant to co-write with Russian songwriters, you know. Right. And... When I saw the the kind of life that they lived there, it was literally the evil empire. I mean... What year was that about? This was 88. And it broke the spell. So when I came back, I said, I cannot live one more day in this kind of situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, very soon after that, I was walking down Amsterdam uh, Avenue in New York City and behind the Beacon Theater, there was a there was a restaurant called Coastal, and um, in the window was this guy, blonde with like, looked like Brad Pitt, but better looking, 
um, <laughs> with his hair down one side, you know, like Legends of the Fall yeah. and all that kind of, that look, right? And I said, I want one of those. <laughs> How much because is that? in the in the commune, you weren't allowed to have a partner. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, because that was separating. Right. You know, they had their own language, whatever. Right. And, um, you know, I walked in there and, you know, it was like it was all over, you know. And so he he and I have been together ever since. Wow. So wow. that's a whole love story. Yeah. yeah. Just and that. so uh, then um, midway through, uh, we just we were living in Miami and, um, you know, we decided to have children. And we, I wanted, it was very important to me because of the way that I was conceived and born that I had my own biological children. Mm -hmm. That wasn't that as important to him. So we began the process of finding out about surrogacy and through an um, a agency called um, Growing Generations. And uh, we had met this beautiful, wonderful woman um, who was American, and we met her in India uh, with in this conference with Deepak Chopra. And I'm looking at her, and, and she looked at me, and she said, why are you looking at me like that? I said, because you're going to have our kid. And oh, she's, wow. she's like, what? Ooh, get away from me. <laughs> Don't talk to me about those things. Sure enough, she said that she had had a prophetic dream that she had our child. She didn't expect it was going to be two. Right. <laughs> so... Um, we went through this whole thing and we filmed the whole thing and made a documentary film called Two, the story of Roman and Nero. Nero's named after sure. Laura Nero uh -huh. and Y-R-O. And uh, we won the uh, Palm Springs um, Film Festival Best of Fest. That's fantastic. In uh, That's cool. 2013. And we got married uh, legally and our sons, who were already nine years old, were our best men. And, um, you know, just, I've, just been so lucky to find a partner like him mm -hmm. because he was an actor but he really you know in the end he didn't have the 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 the, the drive or, or whatever it was probably More the ego ego he didn't have the ego to want to do it but <laughs> yeah. also he would walk into auditions and there'd be 20 guys in there that he said were his clone that looked exactly like him. Yeah, how are you going right. to compete with that? Yeah. Like with yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just to be a meat, a piece of meat on a hook. Sure. And so he just has become, you know, it's our career. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah, our, of course. you know, I couldn't do it without him mm -hmm. and his advice. And, and the know. inspiration. But, Ins you know, it's interesting listening to you speak. Everything you've said pretty much has, in your life, it seems like was meant to be. So, you know, and that's kind of really a great place to live in, you know, that these things come because you have a certain attitude, a certain energy and a reflection that finds you. And and it just I think it just that's meets. True. And I think that's really beautiful. And it's something to live for. I've, you know? I've just I love my life. I really do. Mm -hmm. And now I cross the finish line. Talk about finish line. Maybe the, I crossed the starting line, but I turned 70 in October. Okay. And so... Alan's age. Sort of. <laughs> 69. Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, but something time. happens to you when you turn 70 and you go, oh my God, how much time do I have left? Yeah. Every day is a diamond 
across a black velvet cloth mm. and you with little you know like like a jeweler you take one diamond and you move it to the other side, side. Mm -hmm. and that's how i look at every day right I, I do that now at my age i cherish every day yeah but that's a cubic zirconia you're moving around bitch cuban bitch cuban zirconia so um so i my my son's actually you know because i have so many interests and so many projects and you know i say yes to everything and i'm on so many boards of different things and you know our sons who are now 21 yeah. no they're going to be 22 and very serious they're going to be lawyers i don't know how like how that happened and 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 they're such jocks too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how that happened. I mean, they had like matching outfits with funny hats. They went to every Broadway show, museums, you know, trips to Paris. And all they love is football, soccer, basketball, it's now hockey and golf. And they know every player, every, everything yeah. about that. And in, into urban hip-hop music, something I, like, know nothing about. <laughs> mm -hmm. But see, isn't that interesting? All those people who claim oh, it's not genetic. Influence. That it's, it's so yeah. stupid. Yeah. It's clearly, you know, I mean, they've got their life and their interests, and they are who they are. Born that way. Yeah. You know, they say, don't say gay. They heard the word gay, 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 their entire right. lives. Didn't make them and gay. And it's okay. Right. <laughs> oh, it's okay. And they're yeah. very, you know, loving. And yeah. I love when they talk... I hear them talking to somebody, well, our parents or my parents, it's like they actually think of us as like parents. 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 <laughs> right. <laughs> we did yeah. something wrong. <laughs> I know. Like when I came out to my mother, my parents, you know, and, and uh, I said, Mom, I have something to tell you. And she was like, Oh my God, I'm so nervous. What, what is it? I said, I'm gay. And she's like, Oh, thank God. I thought you had something terrible to tell me. <laughs> said, relieved. Like, oh shit, that's it. Oh, thank God. So, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so I've been just extraordinarily, you know, blessed and, and lucky. And um, well, you're busy, you're going, you're doing, you feel doing. like I've got to get it all so, in. So, and you're going to the Clive Davis party tonight. Yes, I am. Which yes. is, which I've never been to. I've always wanted to go. It's a big deal. It's also, unfortunately, the anniversary of Whitney Houston's death. And at the hotel. I at was the same there. hotel. I was there. So I was every there. year. Uh, I've but gone it's an 30 amazing years night. in a row. Yeah. And we know a couple people going tonight, yeah, actually. Yeah, we do. We have a couple but of friends. But the, the thing is, it's like you always, you know, on pins yeah, and needles, so. hoping you get the invitation every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because, I've never gotten it. you know, I know friends that used to go all the time, and then they got disinvited. What did they do? Do you know? Well. Or who did well, or didn't they do? They do? <laughs> it's just that, you know, you know. Yeah. That's, don't that's say anything else. In that day. <laughs> well, don't say anything else. <laughs> you made a secure uninvited. invitation. Say <laughs> no, hi to Nikki I mean, Haskell it's for like, us. It's like when you when that invitation comes in, it's like, oh, I'm still I'm still in the music business. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, and you know, one of the things that I'm so you know pleased because I've been working on a documentary, my career documentary. And recently, Clive, um, Clive Davis was kind enough to sit down for an interview to talk about the work that we had done together. Oh, and, terrific. And, um, you know, so, so great. When I was, um, when I turned 18, 
I w- went back to Miami with my writing partner, Virgil, because we had, you know, she was Virgil Knight and I was Desmond Child, so Knight Child, that was our duo. Oh, there you And go. we made our demo up in Woodstock, New York, and we came back to Miami and there was a NARM convention, National Association of Recorded Music or something. And, and so we went in and as, disguised as John and Yoko. Oh, because she, she, we had the height difference, and she had the black hair, and she wore the black floppy hat with the jacket glasses, glasses yeah. all dressed in black. And I was in a white suit with the vest, with my hair parted down the side, <laughs> and the and the glass, the granny glasses, and yeah. we just kept our heads down like that. And we, we didn't have, you know, to, you know, tickets, or yeah. and it wasn't quite as tight as it right, is now. Right, as it is right? now. Yeah. But we just kept our heads down, and people would go, John and Yoko. That Johnny Yoko, Johnny Yoko, <laughs> and we just went like that. And you know, I had the, our demo, you know, yeah. inside my jacket. So we walk in, and I spot Clive Davis because he was the president of Columbia Records, and he had signed Laura Nero, who was our idol. So there were there was a adjoining tab- table with two empty seats. We went straight there and sat down. Saw the show, had the dinner, all good. Lights up, and. Uh, Clive stands up and we, I stand up and he looks at us and he starts laughing because I think he thought we were John and Yoko as well. (laughs) And so then I pulled out my demo. I said, I want, you know, I want to give you my demo. So a few months later, I actually get a signed letter from him turning us down and all this. I mean, we weren't that good. (laughs) John and Loco. (laughs) But exactly 40 years later, um, he awards me with the Clive Davis Legend and Songwriting Award. So it's like you give him a demo, 40 years later, you get the award. award. (laughs) (laughs) He's a nice man. Yeah. Very, very wonderful, generous, and loving, and, you know, has done so much for for all of us, for music, and um, his taste is beyond. And he's got that instinct. Right. He knows what a hit is. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I've been lucky that, you know, he's chosen me to produce songs for um, American Idol um, stars like um, Carrie Underwood. Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Clay Aiken. um, Invisible. Yes. I did Clay Aiken's book. You did? Yeah. Yeah. I liked him a lot. I still sent him a note on his birthday. I, you know, I, I've just, you know, remember Bo Bice? He was oh, yeah, against Carrie uh-huh. Underwood. Yeah, you yeah, know, he had the right. long hair uh-huh. and he like had like kind of a deep voice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Diana DeGarmo. So oh, I yeah. worked, I went, you know, and Clive was presiding over the songs that they sang and choosing the hits for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a wonderful time, you know. And so I just... You know, what I wanted, I got. Yeah. That's it great. never is like quite the way you think it's going to be, you know, uh, because, you know, it's just like that. But when you're driven, you, you know, the direction in a certain direction, you just head your boat in that direction. It's going to get there. Yeah. It's the preparation for the opportunity, which most people don't understand. That's how it works. You prepare for it, you know. You can't receive anything when your arms are filled with packages. You have to be open to everything, and you have to be prepared. 
So there is no such a word as no, or there's no word as can't. There's how, when, where. Mm -hmm. And that's how you live I your best that. life. And yeah. then you, it all comes right to you as, it's, as intended. So yeah. how you came to us as intended. <laughs> and you've written this book. Yes. We will end with this. We can discuss the book. By the way, we were flipping through it. The interior is beautiful. Well, thank you. There's like a hundred pictures in there. You don't usually see memoirs like this. And, uh, you know, photos throughout. It's quite beautiful. The end papers are really interesting and different with the writing on them. But it, you've done an incredible job with this. Yes. It's I, really nice looking. It took seven years to do it. And my, my collaborator, David Ritz, is, he's, you know, become such a close friend. He knows everything about me. And, um, you know, he was saying, no, you, we don't, don't put that in the book. You know, like, don't put <laughs> that, that in out. the book. Leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> the general uh, reading audience will not want to hear that yeah. story. <laughs> oh. oh, can we <laughs> read the original <laughs> manuscript? <laughs> yeah. Which is always more interesting. <laughs> I have the original manuscript for, you know, I better not say their names, certain clients of mine. Uh, in some cases that where the chapter had to be removed for legal reasons. And I'm like, I am so waiting for when that, have <laughs> that moment yeah. to release that chapter. Right. <laughs> right. Because some good chapters are like, really, does it have to be? Yeah. Uh, yes. There was a settlement in place. <laughs> oh, wait till they die. So <laughs> then all bets there. are off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll go straight to the audio. Let me hear all about yeah. it. So but it's a beautiful book. Thank yeah. you. Living on a prayer, big songs, big life. With David Ritz, who's a very good writer, uh, he's done quite a few, quite a few things, and it's a great picture of you on the cover. Look mm -hmm. at that. Thank you. Yes, yeah, how old are you in this too. picture? Forty. Forty was picture. a good year. That's for sure. I yeah, there are a lot of pictures. I was, you know, honored to be one of the last photo shoots of George Harrell. Mm. So there are a couple of George Harrell portraits. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. how cool. I have a client who owns the George Harrell, who lives in the George Harrell studio downtown in, uh, yes. by the lake there, yes. and has the camera. And he's done has photos. Has the camera. There may be a photo here. I was photographed. Where I looked like a 30s star with that, you know, that. He yeah, only used one, 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 one light, one light only. Yeah. And the same, you know, um, eight by 12 uh, negatives, mm -hmm. you know, the little cloth, yeah. you know. And um, I was just, you know, we made friends, and I invited him for dinners at, at our home. So it really felt like Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> you know. And he, Max. Would, he would tell, uh, you know, great stories, you know. And he loved Betty Davis. He said she died with her boots on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Yeah, and, uh, she did. And I think he betted most of the women that he photographed. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. He was quite the dandy. Uh -huh. <laughs> She's, her tomb is ne next to my mother's. Where is that? It's in Forest Lawn. Oh. And it says, uh, she did it the hard way. <laughs> that's her on her, on her tomb. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, she's buried with her mother and her sister in the same crypt. You know, it's right. a mausoleum. Right. Forest Lawn where? Here. The one in Glendale. The, no. The one oh, in Oh, the Hollywood. one on, by Warner Brothers? Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, right there. Send and me she, a picture My mother of is it. in between her and Liberace. Uh, no, you don't think I was going to come out gay? <laughs> <laughs> so he's at Forest Lawn? I didn't know Liberace was yeah. there. With the I wow. wonder where all those bright lights and sequins were uh -huh. when you drive by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I... Piano-shaped I, coffin. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I always loved Liberace. Uh -huh. 
I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> One story, uh, you know, I would like to share is yeah. I, I got asked to write a song for Barbara Streisand. Uh -huh. Oh, that's and funny, because when I just opened your book, it's to the Barbara Streisand part. Yes, it's a chapter <laughs> See, called... See, there are no accidents with him, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> There's a chapter called Barbara Land, and it's great. And now I'm listening to her book, an audiobook. That's yeah, great. Which is really you know, good. Really it's good. It's really well done. She's so animated mm -hmm. through the whole thing, and she says these little sides, and... You know, she she never leaves one grudge unturned. <laughs> I love it. You know, like she doesn't forget any slight. And she has a memory for like reviews that might have had a little, a touch a, of... a, a little something negative. Right. Uh -huh. And she says it still hurts her. Uh, <laughs> interesting what we carry. Yeah. I wish so, she'd do our show. I think she's amazing. Well, could she's ask her. her. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Mike, try. Sure can. Awesome. Well, if they could yeah. say is no, so, and then what? I'm going to send a recording of him saying, "Barbara must do your show." <laughs> Call it Barbara Land. Uh, Barbara must do your show. Yes, it's on, it's on her way. It's on its way to her. So I, I got asked to write a song for an album she was making about what was going on. You know, this was like four years ago um, during those times, very you know difficult times, and um, I. I sat with Jay Landers, her um, executive music supervisor on like 35 albums or whatever. I mean, he knows her through and through. And he played me highlights from her entire career. And then I started to understand the sonics of it. What vowels does she ring out? What are her money notes? What are the jumps in the melodies that she likes to sing? And um, I went home and I had it going in my head and uh, Kurt, I, we'd be in the car. Kurt said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm writing this song for Barbara. I said, well, why don't you like actually write it down? He said, no, no, it's all in my head. And the song is called Lady Liberty. And it was on her Walls album. And it's also on her new album, Evergreens. And I made it into the Evergreens. Uh, uh, yes, yes, And right. so if you go on YouTube, there's a uh, lyric video of Lady Liberty, Barbara Streisand. With it. It's a tribute. The video is a tribute to the strong wonderful uh -huh. lead, uh, female leaders of our country. And um, when I went to meet her, and you know she had chosen the song, so I went to meet her to kind of go over the song with her right. and check the key and all that. I, I, t I told her that when I was 15 years old, I had seen Funny Girl. And there was this moment um, when during Don't Rain on My Parade, which is sort of almost towards the end yeah, of the film. Yeah. And she, th her tugboat passes in front of the Statue of Liberty and she's holding a, a bunch of flowers. Like yeah, that, that know, bouquet yeah. that she was okay. carrying. And for with her one split way. second, they are like superimposed, she's superimposed on top of the Statue of Liberty and then it, then it passes, right? But for one split second, and that's how I thought of it because to me, Barbara is like Lady Liberty. She's my Lady Liberty. She stands for all the things that I believe in. And, uh, you know, I told her the story about, you know, seeing her in front of Statue of Liberty, and she said, I was with the Statue of Liberty? <laughs> it's like, you know yeah. now that 
Anytime she watches that film, she's only looking at her. <laughs> she's looking for right. that part. Yeah. No, she, no. That she's looking she, at herself. She, she's looking at her. Oh, right. <laughs> she's saying, what did I do wrong in that piece? So, you know what? We'll play, we'll play a little fair use piece of that song under this, under this part. Yes, yes let's do that. Yes. I, when I was telling her all this, I said, well, it was that moment, you know, that turned me gay. And she says, oh, my God. Everybody tells me that. <laughs> <laughs> Responsible. Uh, feeling guilty. Well, now that you've mentioned that, I guess I should ask one more question. I'm sure you won't tell us who the worst person is you've ever worked with. So what about who you had the most fun or most enjoyable experience working with? Bonnie Tyler. Oh, interesting. The biggest heart, the, the, the heart, the most soulful cackle mm-hmm. voice. And yeah, there's no You didn't have to think to about her. that. You just jumped no, out with no that Yeah, there's no Tyler. She's so wonderful. And uh, a couple of years ago, I, I decided to do a concert of an evening of my music and invite, you know, guest stars to go and uh, to come and, and, and sing. And we did it at the... At the um, Parthenon in Greece in Athens. Uh-huh. Uh, there's the Herodian Amphitheater. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's two thousand year old theater. And Alice Cooper came. Bonnie Tyler, Rita Wilson, um, Kip Winger. Um, you know all these. She's Greek, Rita. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. she's Greek. And um, she, you know, I was with her last night at the at the show, the Music Cares. And she gave me a ride home, which I was really very That's happy cool. about. She's so it's fun. They had so many laughs. But, um, you know, this um, show is sort of like I said, well, I had desperately wanted to be a star myself, but it didn't work out. But, you know, it, it was a trade off because, you know, most stars can't keep a marriage together and all that. And, I've been able to, you know, come home and, and have a life, and have Everything a life so hard for, but really. also, you know, if you combine all of the records that I've been on, uh, I've sold over 500 million records wow. and then with billions of streams. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you know, you may not know my name, but, you, but know, you know, somehow, I, well, <laughs> my, songs, you know your work. my, yeah. my songs yeah. have touched the hearts of, of billions oh, of yeah, people. For sure. Without even thinking about it. I mean, you just say the name and right away you start singing the song. You That's say the title of the no, song. That and you is start better for you. You can go out to public without getting mobbed. You can go do things without everybody yes. watching your every, you know, movement. So, so so I love Bonnie Tyler so much. And um, you know, I just, you know, would you know, love, you know, to continue working with her. And Alice Cooper also, mm-hmm. oh. because I mean they came they came through for me and came to you know all the way to Greece to be in my show. It wasn't like okay, well come to Hollywood Bowl right. or something like yeah. that. Drive I down mean, the street. No, yeah. no, it it's was a big deal. it was an ordeal, and they they came and they were like so sweet. And so I we filmed all of that, and that's going to be part of my lifetime documentary, the making of that show. So it's going to be the center line of, you know. I'm, I'm, I get to be a star for one night. So you see the whole making of that show, and then you'll see the, the highlights from the show as it tells the story of my life and the songs and how they were written yeah. and interviews with the original artists and 
all of that stuff. Oh, so, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Right. So Can't wait for that. Two yeah. or three years. Uh, right, you well, know. fantastic. Come back and talk about yeah. that. Nothing, nothing is, is fast when it comes yeah, to no, those things. No, it's not. Well, we can't thank you enough for doing this. Aww. What a great pleasure. Thank you. We loved thank it. Thank you. Gracias. It was a lot of fun. This podcast is a production of the Villa Romana Network in association with Spotify.